Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids just like yours. And all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. Primetime action rolling on here on VSIN. I'm Jeff Parles, Adam Candy, Danielle Alvari, Ben Wilson. We're all here as GVT will be with us in five minutes. Uh, we haven't talked a lot of baseball of the games that are going on so far tonight, Adam Candy, because the big news in Major League Baseball, a little bit less than 48 hours before the trade deadline hits, there were multiple big deals today. Starling Marte was the first Salvo of the day going from Miami to Oakland. Jesus Lazardo, a highly sought after prospect who we have seen in the major leagues for the A's multiple times, goes the other way to Miami. Uh, Eduardo Escobar, probably the most useful piece Arizona can deal before the deadline, goes to Milwaukee, Milwaukee to fortify their lineup. And then the big one in the last hour, Joey Gallo going to the Bronx as the Yankees give up four prospects for the power bat. Well, and I'm going to talk about this for a second and then throw it back to our producer, Ben Wilson, because I think the Brewers have by far the most impactful deal here. Uh, what they needed was someone to lengthen out this lineup. They have had just a rotation of guys who should not be hitting where they're hitting uh, throughout the season. And Ben, they had the pitching. We know that. And now you add in someone to lengthen out this lineup and a guy who's a do-everything guy in Escobar feels like exactly what they needed. It's kind of amazing that they're in a position where potentially the two most uh, impactful hitters in their lineup are, and you could even argue three, are guys they've traded for. Like Willie Adamas completely changed the, the season for Milwaukee, and that was you know a, a trade they made over a month and a half ago. Like Rowdy Telez has given them a lot of pop in the lineup. So, yeah, I mean, you, you make the point, Adam, and you think about how just how bad they've been in the middle infield spots. Therese Urias had, had the yips for like the first half of the year, but they had to keep playing him because there was nobody else, and they had to demote uh, – the, the, the former top prospect, Keston here, because he, uh, he's striking out at just an ungodly rate. So, yeah, I think you make a good point. I, I can't help but agree with you on that with how good Escobar has been. Look, I, of the three deals, the only one that I don't know will pay immediate dividends is Gallo. Adam, just, just, just because you're in a scenario where even though the Yankees are only two and a half out of a playoff spot going into tonight, this just feels like the season from hell for the Yankees all the way. Like Gallo will, 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 will go there and hit 140, which he's obviously capable of doing. Uh, but I, I'm, I'm with you. Escobar makes that lineup stronger. That lineup has been the problem for Milwaukee. Christian Yelich also went on a COVID IL yesterday, so we won't see him for at least another eight days. Uh, just another bat for a team that we know has the starting pitching to go deep into October. And this isn't something for next year. It's just something to consider when you start looking at your futures for uh, for next season, Jeff. Uh, if Luzardo is anything of the guy that the A's thought he was going to be when he first came up, 
I'm about to have a deep, deep swoon for this Marlins rotation. Uh, they have a chance to have a really, really good frontline rotation when you add up the pieces that are there. When you go from Rodgers to Alcantara to Lopez to if Luzardo is right, they're building something that makes sense in Florida. Well, and, and, uh, and not only that, uh, Sixto Sanchez has not pitched at all this year. This who, who, looked, who looked like the best of all of them last year in the shortened season when he pitched. So, look. Again, the Marlins are still, even with that playoff appearance last year and beating the Cubs in the uh, in the extra round of the playoffs that hopefully we don't see again anytime soon and then getting blasted by the Braves in the DS. But look, Miami's building it the right way, Adam. They have now, I would say, five good arms in that rotation when all healthy. I mean, I don't know what their money situation is going to be. I don't know what freedom uh, Derek Jeter and company will give them to spend, but this team needs to add a bat or two. And I know you're saying they traded Starling Marte. They had a bat. Well, no, this is a rental because Starling Marte is going to enter free agency. But is this a team that is potentially on the fringes of wildcard contention next year with the right moves in the offseason? That would not be crazy to me. No, I look, uh, and at division, which was supposed to be a beast this year, has obviously been underwhelming, to put it politely, uh, in the NL East, uh, which, by the way, uh, the NL East games tonight, the Marlins, uh, speaking of said Marlins, Adam, uh, they, they blew a 5 nothing lead to the Orioles in two innings, but now have a 7-5 lead in the fifth. Uh, they're obviously not in the race. The Phillies and the Nationals are postponed tonight because of COVID issues with Washington. The Mets leading the Braves in the sixth, one to nothing. It is primetime action here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. I'm Jeff Parles in for Gil Alexander. Adam Candy's in for Matt Brown. Danielle Alvari is irreplaceable, so she's here. <laughs> here for myself. Uh, here, for, here in her usual chair, Ben Wilson, in for Kelly Bidlin, who, uh, again, may or may not be in Tokyo uh, representing. He's playing uh, golf. Uh, it sounds like a very nice course in the Carolinas tomorrow, so that's oh, where good, Kelly's good, at. Good, good for Kelly. He set the over-under on a score at 92. So we'll I'll take see. the over. I'll take the over. I don't even. I don't. Okay. I, 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 I don't need more information. I, I don't need more information. If, if Bidlin is somewhat similar to me as a golfer, which hopefully he isn't for his sake, uh, uh, I'll go over. But now we we, we got to get to our guy JVT, uh, Jonathan Von Tobel, our senior NBA analyst here at VSIN. And, and and JVT, I, I want to start with the Olympics, and then we'll weave our way into the NBA draft. Uh, Team USA was a closing forty-two and a half point favorite. Uh, last night here in Vegas, early morning on the East Coast, and uh, they covered the number with ease, winning 120 to 66. How much can we actually take from Team USA just beating up on what is more than likely the worst team in the field in Tokyo? No, you're not taking anything from it, right? Like you're just sitting back, and you're. It's more of an anecdotal thing moving forward. Like it is good to get some of the kinks out, get out there, win a game. Like we say in basketball all the time, right? It's good to see one go down, like, and then stuff happens from there. It's just good to get some reps in, and it's good to get reps in against some warm bodies, right? It's it's different when you're practicing against one another or against air. It's another thing to run an offense as outmatched as your opponent is against an opponent that is trying to stop you. And so I think that's there's not much so much of a takeaway, Jeff, is that it's just good for this team to get out there and run their stuff and get a win, you know. Anyone else in the Olympic field, JVT, that you look at outside the USA and say that uh, this is someone I'd be curious about down the futures board for the gold medal? Well, so I think from the futures perspective, Adam, like it's not like I have a ticket on the Australia at 20 to 1. Like I, I love the boomers. I bet that pretty early on. William Hill 
uh, hadn't adjusted their numbers yet because Australia went off in the tournament going into the tournament, put it that way, at about 7-1. to one. So I, I like my number there. I think the Australians have a lot to offer. If they took care of Nigeria in their first game of group play, it was a little bit touch and go with the Italians, a little bit more, a little bit more touch and go than I expected, but ultimately got past them. So they're going to move on to the knockout stage more than likely. And I, I really like that team where you look at across the board, Joe Ingles, Batiste Feibel, Aaron Baines, Dante Exum, even some depth and treating depth in Matthew Delvadova. All right. I think there's a lot of guys. Chuck Landell's on that team. So I think I like the Australians and what they bring to the table, but I got to tell you, the more I have watched them over the last two games, and this was the one team I wrote about it in the preview, that if there was any value left on the board going into the Olympics, it was the French at about 16-1. to 1. And they get that win over Team USA. I thought and I wrote about the fact that I think they had the potential to be the best defensive team in this tournament. I, I haven't really moved off of that watching them for two games. And what they did to the Czech Republic this morning was really impressive. You know, the, the, the Czechs got off to a really good start, hit 8 of 10 of their first three-point shots, but the French were still there, only down by one. And once the shots stopped falling for the Czech Republic, the French took this thing away, and it was easy. And that's not, not a bad Czech Republic team. So uh, this French team is really impressive. JVT, uh, do one last Olympic question, because there are games uh, going later tonight and early tomorrow morning here in the U.S., uh, Slovenia. And Luka Doncic, who, of course, <laughs> uh, that guy's pretty good and had a huge game in the opener against Argentina for Slovenia. 20-point uh, uh, favorites the Slovenians are against Japan. And in Spain, a 9-point favorite against Argentina. Anything in either of those two games interest you from the betting perspective? No, I'm not, I haven't played either one of them, Jeff. I, I will say this, you know, Slovenia, you're going to, I'm going to be interested to play against Slovenia when they play a legitimate team, right? Like, I'm not high on Argentina. Uh, in the other game, I, I would play Spain or nothing in that contest. I, I think the Argentine team is uh, a little bit up against it when it comes to certain matchups. But when it's Slovenia and Luka Doncic, he's going to be able to beat up on these two teams before he meets uh, Spain, right, in that group play, in their final group play game. And I think that's going to be a shorter number than it probably should be. You know, I, I like this Slovenia team. They have shooters around Doncic, but I don't think there's a lot of depth there. And he's going to, like you mentioned, the importance of the big performance. In every single game, Luka Doncic is going to have to play like 33, 34 minutes in a 40-minute game, right, and average near a triple-double for this team to compete for a gold medal. And I wonder how sustainable that is as they go into a matchup with Spain in the knockout stages. JVT, we've obviously seen huge moves in the NBA draft market over the last few days as whether it's information season or disinformation season heats up here over the last uh, uh, 48 or so hours up until now. Uh, what have you seen that has been surprising to you in terms of moves? Anything that you think has taken away value to where someone's not bettable anymore or maybe even added some value on someone? Yeah, so I think really quickly to, to give the audience uh, an update, uh, we have seen the market move really strongly on second overall pick, third overall pick, and fourth overall pick, and it's in the directions that it should, right? So Jalen Suggs is now – he was down 60 favorite this morning when I was on Follow the Money to go fourth overall. He's now minus 250. Evan Mobley is upwards of $4.50, and then you have Jalen Green, who's $6.50 as a favorite. Those four are locked in, but you've seen those prices really pick up over, the, I would say, the last 12 hours or so. As far as some moves here that, that have kind of stuck out, and there is still some out there, that are pretty intriguing. But I think one that has stuck out to me, and you can still find this, the price is a little hefty, but in an informational-based event like this, Adam, it's still, I think, worth playing, especially when you consider the advantage you have in terms of position. But William Hill, I think, is still offering. I haven't checked for like an hour and a half, two hours. Uh, Davion Mitchell, his draft position at 10 and a half, but heavily shaded to the over at a buck 80. I got that at $1.25, but I still think if you're talking about a draft position of 10 and a half, there's value there. Davion Mitchell is going to be a 13, 14, 15 type pick. 
He's not going to go within the top 10. And if you can get to me, when you're betting the draft, especially in draft position props, to me, the edge is in the draft position, not so much the price and, and informationally based up. You can see that minus dollar 85 is still well worth it. If you're getting a, a position like 10 and a half. So look out for Dave on Mitchell. I still think there's some numbers there. And one of the moves that has really intrigued me, Kevin O'Connor recently came out with his mock draft yesterday, guys. He worked for the Ringer, and, as, and Jonathan Gavoni had his update as well. Both were a lot higher on Franz Wagner. Wagner has been tied to Sacramento throughout the offseason, and yet when you look at Gavoni's latest one, he had the Golden State Warriors taking him at seventh, and we've seen his draft position props since those two mocks have come out go from 9.5 to 8.5, kind of shaded to the over at buck twenty. So Wagner has been one of those two in terms of positions that has really moved. And I will throw one more at you as you look around in terms of some of these movers and what's going on with them, uh, the, the popular one is Scotty Barnes, who it looks like he's going to be the fifth overall. Uh, but if you look at the James Booknight type, who is at one point, he was seven and a half the other day. Now he's six and a half, shaded to the over. It looks like he's tied to Oklahoma City, but you're essentially betting, if you're going under that, that he's going to get drafted by the Oklahoma City Thunder. But you've seen quite the move. He was as high as ten and a half when he first got released. Now you're down to six and a half. Well, JVT, I think what's, uh, what's most interesting in there is that uh, Gavoni on the low post podcast earlier was talking about how, you know, Franz Wagner should be in play at seven, not even just, Hey, they're interested. Like talking about a player like Franz Wagner being a, a value at that, at that spot, I thought was, uh, was interesting com- compared to where we ended the season. Um, Josh Giddy is a guy I'm interested in as well, because you talked about uh, this boomers side for Australia and a lot of the buzz that I've read about watching him practicing with team Australia show that he was pretty well able to hold his own uh, with that squad. We've seen him move to uh, minus two Oh five here to go in the top 10. Yeah. And, and there's been a lot of move here too. And this is what I like, and this is what I think is important, especially when it comes to the NBA, right? Because, you know, I've always said this, when it comes to the, the NFL, right? It's kind of it's it's easier to an extent to bet the NFL draft because positional needs are very rigid. If I am a team that needs an offensive lineman, I am going to be looking at offensive linemen, right? But if I am a team that is the Golden State Warriors who have these two first round picks, like you tell me what the Warriors need, right? What is bench depth, right? What is scoring, like all these things. So if the information is really key in both the NBA and NFL drafts, but I think particularly in the NBA draft. And Giddy's a guy that's really fascinating because talked about O'Connor. He has been a guy that has come out and said that uh, Giddy is in play at number seven for the Golden State Warriors. We had reports that when the Memphis Grizzlies traded up to 10, they're actually infatuated with Franz Wagner, but they don't expect him to be there and that Giddy would be the next best guy. And so it does seem that seven to 10 is the range that Giddy is going to be gone. So you talked about the adjustment on the index copy in the top 10 selection. You can still get them at 10 and a half, but it's heavily shaded to the under at about 250, 260. And I think that's like, I don't think he gets past 10. Just reading all of the intel out there, it seems like he has played his way into being a top 10 selection. And it's either going to be Golden State or it's going to be Memphis. So maybe you offset those prices by finding a shop that offers specific teams, right? Like Golden State Warriors to draft the Josh Giddy or, or um, Memphis Grizzlies to draft the Josh Giddy. And you can maybe get closer to some plus prices there. Jonathan Von Tobel, JVT with us right now here on Primetime Action. Uh, Josh Giddy now minus 265 to go in the top 10 at DraftKings. Uh, JVT, just just looking at this draft as a whole and, and, and going into early handicaps for the 2022 season, which team do you think can make the biggest impact in a positive light for their 2022 outlook tomorrow night? I mean, I, it, so it's, it's, I think the, the obvious choices are, are like a Golden State, Jeff, right? They're like mainly because they're a team that's getting Clay Thompson back. 
And if they hit it out of the park with two dudes that are plug-and-play guys, are going to be ready to contribute to their bench. Like, that's immediately you're, – you're already kind of a contender with Clay Thompson being healthy. And all of a sudden, if you add positional value and depth to your team, now you're really in a really good position. So I think, like, the Warriors definitely have to be at the top of the list of a team that could add something that would have an immediate impact. And, like, we can look around the – like, like for example – Right, we can have the nuanced conversation of a team that is as bad as Oklahoma City. If they if they add a James Booknight type who they've been tied to, well, your floor was so low as a team, especially at the end where you go one and twenty three or whatever it is in the last twenty four games, that you could probably have a massive impact on your team with a healthy Shea Gilgis Alexander or the right running mate with him. So I think those are probably the two near the top if I'm thinking about that. But I think it's definitely the Warriors who found you the favorite of the year for the answer to your question because they're a contender already. And if they add some big depth, they're going to be pretty good. Are they the team that you think is going to just stay where they are, take someone who, you know, be able to, uh, you know, get a good value there? Or are they in that group with Oklahoma City with others where you think a trade is more likely than not? Because the reason I ask is we see so much talk this time of year about potential trades in the NBA draft, and really very few of them end up materializing. Yeah, like, look, I think that they want to, Adam, but I want to be a millionaire, right? And it's just not going to happen at this point right now. I say, like, when you look at the picks that they have, 7 and 14 just don't hold that much value in this draft. Like, you know, James Booknight, so I'll bring, I'll go back to him, right? James Booknight or, or Jonathan Kaminga type. They could be really good players, but they're not players to the point where I think you're going to get enough that somebody's going to come in, take seven, you're going to get something back that is that is tangible and something that you want. So I think at the end of the day, the Warriors are going to be making their pick at seven, and I think they're going to be making it at 14. One of the teams that has been really trying to move out of their spot and every indication is that they don't want to make their pick, is the Sacramento Kings. So I think maybe that's a team to watch in terms of if somebody falls down, right, if a, let's say, Jonathan Kaminga, who seems to be slipping in terms of the narrative around him, if he's available at that ninth spot, maybe a team trades up for Sacramento who's desperately trying to get out of that spot and grab some assets, maybe they move up there because all indications are that the Kings don't want to make that pick. He's Jonathan Von Tobel. Get him on the tweets at me, JVT, our senior NBA analyst here at VSIN, of course, also the host of Hardwood Handicappers uh, on our podcast network, vsin.com slash podcast, to find all the editions of Hardwood Handicappers. JVT, thank you for being with us tonight. Yeah, you got it, guys. Adam, let's uh, let's go to some updates in Major League Baseball. Uh, I, I keep seeing, again, reports out of New York that this Joey Gallo deal is not done yet. Uh, now, Yes Network uh, re- reporting that this deal, again, Still likely to happen, but not at the finish line yet. Yeah, uh, there is, I think, a reticence to call these things real because we get so many tweets that get so flying fast uh, around there. There are a lot of questions about which prospects are in the deal. That has changed uh, as well. Apparently, Clark Schmidt is not uh, in there as the Yankees' number two prospect overall. But uh, if the team's official network is saying it, Jeff, I, I feel like we can feel pretty confident that Joe Gallo is going to New York. Yeah, and again, hey, look, it, it will get, it'll more likely get done by the end of the night. It just uh, got to smooth, smooth everything out here, make sure uh, that all the pieces are aligned. Uh, Yankees, by the way, uh, in a tight one in St. Pete right now, Adam. 1-1 uh, as they play in the seventh inning, Yankees and Rays. Look, this is better than we've seen the New York Yankees play in Tampa in quite a while. They hold on for the victory last night. 
probably the most encouraging sign you could point to for the Yankees is that Aroldis Chapman had a Aroldis Chapman-like inning where he did have a walk but came back from a 3-0 count to get Nelson Cruz uh, to strike out to end the game. So, look, Boston is beating Toronto again tonight, 4-1. to And it certainly feels like Boston is going to pull away from the pack here in the AL East, the way things are going. Uh, with the Rays, now the Yankees can look at that and say, all right, if we're making this Gallo deal, we're going for it in terms of the wild card. And these games with the Rays take on even more importance for New York. The other New York team in action, uh, Tyler McGill uh, gives up a home run to Austin Riley in the sixth. Game tied at one. Through six now. Uh, the uh, Braves, a slight dog in the tie game at plus 105 live now out of Mets, minus 135. Total four and a half if uh, you're rooting for extra innings here. And uh, we know what happens to unders in extra innings, Adam. Uh, yeah, no, the things are not good, uh, the things that happen. Uh, Jeff, uh, let me ask you, as uh, someone who follows the Mets quite closely, uh, are, are you nervous about? this game and the rest of this series in particular. You talked before the series about the fact that the Mets could put some distance in here with the Braves. Well, look, the, the thing that the Mets have specialized in, in in this season is they have not made it easy on themselves. And this is just another example of, well, you had seven games before the, uh, before the All-Star break and after the All-Star break against the Pirates, you go three and four. Uh, you have this series, five games against a Brave team that is banged up and really doesn't look good, not playing great. You could put them away winning four out of five or – uh, if they swept them, it's completely over for Atlanta. It would have been 10 games back. Instead, uh, Atlanta has a chance. If they can win tonight and win tomorrow, we'll take four out of five uh, in this series. Look, I still am confident the Mets are going to win this division because no one else in this division has shown me any ability to put together a real stretch against any other team that's outside of the NL East. Well, let me make one quick point to you, Jeff, about what I've seen go on in Milwaukee mm-hmm. with the Eddie Escobar trade. Uh, if you're the Mets and you're looking at likely seeing the Brewers in the first round, I'm not standing pat if I'm if I'm the Mets. Well, it, it, here, here's, here's the one thing. If Jacob deGrom cannot come back at all this year and the expectation is that he will, it doesn't matter. The Mets are probably not getting by Milwaukee anyway because uh, that frontline pitching for Milwaukee, if deGrom's not there, is better than what New York has. We'll continue the updates on Major League Baseball next here on Primetime Action on VSIN. Sportsbook now and get a deposit bonus up to $1,000. Simply download the app and use promo code VSIN to get started with the only top rated sportsbook that matters DraftKings. You can bet on it. If you or somebody you know has a gambling problem, please call 1 800 Gambler or in Indiana 1 800 9 with it. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for full terms and conditions. Jeff. It's a, it's a fun uh, midweek edition here on the program. I'm Jeff Parles, Adam Candy, Danielle Alvari, Ben Wilson here. Let's let's get our guy Ben Wilson involved. We haven't, we haven't heard from Ben enough tonight. So uh, uh, his, again, this is this really this past eight days for Ben has basically been the best eight day stretch he possibly could have had. His favorite NBA team wins the NBA uh, championship with the Bucks, 
Aaron Rodgers returning to the Green Bay Packers, which is if only for a little while. Which, which hey, yeah. it's that's that's it, uh, a positive. Is that good news? How do you oh. feel about that? That you're getting what? him back, but like on limited time. Are you kidding me? <laughs> All right, I was born in September of 1993. There have been 489 Packer games played since then. Aaron Rodgers slash Brett Favre have played in 476 of those games. So, so just a casual fan then? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you could call me that. Yeah. Hold on a second. I just want to, I want to go on a point with, on what Ben just said there. 400 of, 486 games in, 20, in 28 years almost now. Have been played by Hall of Fame quarterbacks for the Packers. Ninety-seven percent. Guys are spoiled. I, I that. That's insane. <laughs> and, and the ridiculous part is that they only have two Super Bowls out of it, which is again uh, probably should have had the second one with Favre against Denver if it wasn't for the helicopter from Mr. Elway. And uh, and explains uh, why Aaron Rodgers is so upset. Well, I, 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 Mike McCarthy had a lot to do with the fact that Green Bay only has one uh, this go around. But Ben. Uh, we're bringing you in here. Uh, MLB updates. Uh, the Milwaukee Brewers. We'll keep it with, with your flavor here, and then we'll, we'll move along uh, to other games. But the Brewers have just been uh, absolutely pummeling the Pirates these first two games in this yeah, series. Yeah, you mentioned the Mets not taking care of business in their big stretch against the Pirates. Uh, yeah, the, the Brewers are not doing that. They're right. now outscoring Pittsburgh 16 to nothing in the series. It's seven nothing, and we're again seeing another night of the Pirates just throwing out a random reliever to, to throw like 50 pitches. That would be chasing Shreve tonight. Uh, yeah, Brewers 7-0 in the seventh. Only thing that you would potentially look to bet here live, total 8.5, juiced to the over at minus 145, under uh, at, uh, at plus uh, 115. So that's uh, the Brewers update. But uh, Yankees race still tied at one. Rays now minus 130 live as they're into the eighth inning. Even money on the Yankee side. Three and a half your total over minus 130, under even money. Mets Braves also still 1-1. We're into the seventh inning there at City Field. Four and a half your live total under a little juice at minus 120. Mets minus 160 live. Braves at plus 130. The uh, the Danielle updates uh, after getting kind of screwed by Jason Hayward. Stranded yeah. the bases loaded in the first. Two nothing Reds in the fourth. You're going to need some uh, runs. I had what ten was your over seven and a half in yeah. game minus 130. Uh, and then you had the White Sox Royals under two nothing Sox in the fifth. Six and a half your live total there. So on on pace White Sox. Uh, minus 500 after a very sluggish uh, game the last uh, couple of days for the White Sox. They have gotten a very nice uh, outing tonight in uh, by Lucas Giolito. So a nice bounce back uh, for him. G- Giolito still uh, still no hits allowed. Uh, again, a little early for a no-hitter watch, but with Kansas City. Four and a third. So yeah, look. With Kansas, only 48 pitches, though. With, with Kansas City, it's always uh, in play. Uh, that actually, uh, he's uh, on the minimum right now. Uh, that actually is uh, no. He did, he did walk one, so uh, it is not a perfecto watch. But again, still too early for no hitter watch. Uh, Adam Candy, uh, the the news du jour that we obviously uh, have brought up the trades in Major League Baseball. Uh, I, I want to go back to the Starling Marte deal for for a second here, and, and we mentioned the Miami side long term. Uh, Lazardo, if he finds it, that rotation down in Miami could be really good. But for the A's, who Again, we have seen it's 
it's random with Oakland when they decide to make big moves at the deadline. Obviously, the most high-profile one ended up uh, ended up not working out in 2014 when they really went for it, and they ended up losing to Kansas City in a wild card game. That was the John Lester year where they traded for John Lester uh, and others from Boston uh, at that trade deadline. But seeing Oakland go for it, especially at everything that's going on around that franchise, a potential move here to Vegas uh, could be on the table. But the A's at least going for it and showing that, all right, we need to we need to actually do something in the postseason for once as a franchise that has not gotten it done in October. Yeah, and we'll have time to go through some of these Major League Baseball trades uh, as we go along. But to your point, Jeff, the A's going for it. Um, I love it. There's a little bit of concern for me about a couple of numbers with Starling Marte that we can get into when we get back to where I'm not really interested in the futures on the A's changing much. We'll uh, we'll, we'll look at that and we'll also go to the NBA draft. It's tomorrow. Newer jurisdictions, you still have odds. You still have time to bet on it. So we'll look at exactas in the NBA draft tomorrow night here on Primetime Action on VSID. are coming soon and there's no better way to prepare for the college and pro football seasons. Our experts provide profiles of every team with advanced stats and power ratings, plus our best bets on season win totals, division finishes, and player awards. Each guide is only 20 bucks, and discounts are available when you buy both. Now's the time to reserve your copy or sign up for VSIN All Access and get everything we offer for the entire football season. Sign up now at vsin.com slash subscribe. Jeff Barls. The uh, soccer discussion has returned in the studio. Uh, Danielle, while you were on vacation last week, uh, Ben Wilson uh, made probably the bet of the week, uh, especially while you were on vacation, because, of course, you're on your 10-0 run uh, going oh, in. Oh, no, going I into missed vacation. soccer? Dang, yeah. guys. <laughs> Dang. So ben, ben, How'd it go? Uh, we're trying to convince Ben to go back into the well of fading uh, Schalke and Bundesliga 2. So uh, hopefully Ben can go ahead and do that. When is that game, by the way? Saturday? Sunday. Sunday. Okay, so you have some time. We've to figure got it out. time. And, set, and, set and set your schedules. The, and, yeah. We uh, need the NFL back bad. We, will we make, need it back. We will make sure to ask <laughs> Paul Carr when he's on the program later this week. We'll make sure to ask Paul Carr. Uh, by the way, a quick update from New York. Drury just hit one well out of Queens, Jeff. It is two to 2-1 Mets in the bottom. Ah, the, the horse is inning. back. What is <laughs> Look, I know you're not watching the horse at the same time you're watching us, but of all the creepy things going on in Major League Baseball, laundry carts being pushed through the dugout, out. Pablo Sandoval actually waiting in a real panda head to hug guys who hit a home run. What in the world is this horse? It has this awful godfather feel to it. <laughs> well, he, he, the head is still attached to the body, though. Adam. For now. Yeah, for now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll oh, man. Uh, we... Uh, but, the, yeah, Brandon Jerry, the home run, though, uh, and the home run horse that the Mets uh, – again, I'm not certain on why. I mean, the Mets have had all sorts of silly – 
things go on. They had the fake hitting coach for a little bit who uh, who uh, apparently passed away multiple times and never existed to begin with. So, uh, uh, yeah, like I said, the Mets have had done a lot of weird Actionable things. information. Oh, yeah. hey, why look. I don't bet on either of these New York teams. <laughs> Mets lead 2-1, though, uh, uh, with Brandon Jury's homer to go into the eighth inning. We'll see if the Mets can hold there. Uh, Danielle, let's go to something that actually is actionable here. Right. NBA draft going on tomorrow. And Adam Candy, remind me, so there is a rule here on when you have to get your bets in if you're here in Los Vegas. Uh, anywhere in Nevada, as a matter of fact. Yeah, uh, you're already out of luck there. 24 hours prior to both the NFL draft and the NBA draft, the props come off the board. Uh, that is not the case for those of you lucky enough to have, uh, you know, rules from 2021 in your area. Yeah, that's uh, that, that's basically, that's not basically. <laughs> it is every other jurisdiction in the country you can bet on this still. Right yeah, now. so just cautionary tale to, to those in Nevada. But if you're not, then you can also still make some bets, obviously, leading up to the draft. So this one we have here is the top three in the exact order, right? So Cade Cunningham, the number one spot across the board for obvious reasons, but it gets a little bit more dicey around the two. So we have uh, green here, Mobley, green, Mobley, even Jalen Suggs included in the in the mix here as well. Um, and then in our third spot, a mix between Mobley, green, and Suggs again, even a Barnes on the board there, or even Kuminga sliding in at 15 to one there at the bottom. So uh, of these orders, which one do you like the best, Jeff? Well, this is one of those where we're pretty sure of what's going to happen. That's why we're seeing minus 330 and at the top. It's just the question of, is that just too much to lay? And for me, it is not. Hmm. Now, I'm not, I, I, I'm, I'm not going to bet it. Obviously, we're in the wrong I was going to say, talk to me about your bankroll, but, Jeff. But, but <laughs> unless if the Houston Rockets do something that's unexpected. I feel pretty confident Cleveland's going to take Evan Mobley at three. We know Cunningham's going one. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter if someone even trades up. Cunningham's going number one. Mm-hmm. The only thing that could torpedo it is that the Rockets have been have been a little bit harder to read uh, than you would expect. A new front office there, uh, a little bit quieter than you would be expecting out of uh, out of that Houston uh, front office. But, uh, look, I, Adam, I just don't see how that isn't one, two, three, unless if we see a trade up into the top three. And it doesn't feel like any of those teams feel like moving with Detroit, Houston, and Cleveland. And I think it's worth looking at the individual one, two, three markets to mm-hmm. see if you're interested in any of these exactas, then are you – playing it based on one person or do you really think you have a read on the whole thing because if let's say that you think Evan Mobley is going to go number two right and I think that's probably the one thing that could screw this up is that you listen to enough draft evaluation and there is thought of Evan Mobley as a generational player because of the length that he has could he sneak up to number two sure and if you want to do that then it's plus 350 on Evan Mobley at the number two spot whereas it's plus 400 to go Mobley, then then Green is the 2-3, I'd rather only have to get one right, right? Like, I'd rather only have to play one of those to get similar value between Mobley and and Jalen Green. So that's the only way that I would be interested in playing that. Well, and also, too, Adam, you can cover yourself slightly here. If uh, Mobley were to go number two and you laid the 330, you'd be able to cover yourself ever so slightly. True. It it would allow you to to do that at, uh, at some sort of reduced price, but uh, overall, otherwise, uh, Jeff, is there anything else that you see uh, on the, that exact that makes any sense? To me, it doesn't. No, you, you, you just can't. Again, if you did it five weeks ago, you could have got you could have done this really well five weeks ago because Jalen Green on his own to go number two was as high as plus one sixty. 
So you, if you were on top of this when these markets first came out in the middle of the NBA playoffs, you could be sitting with a whole bunch of plus money all over the place and really be sitting pretty right now. Just, just too late in the game at this point. Adam. And, and you talk about that. I think it's a good point to make from what we discussed with Drew Dinsick last night mm-hmm. is that there's so much information to try to stay on top of it when it comes to the draft, when you're trying to handicap other things at the same time, right? You just mentioned the NBA playoffs, Jeff. Um, it is very difficult to do on your own. It is very difficult as one person to be following it closely enough to get that done. You, uh, you, you need to have some very condensed way of getting your information. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I think that this market is also especially difficult to bet because it can get squirrely a lot more than we see in say the NFL draft. So very difficult to do something like this where you're trying to pick three players. Well, and and it is, look, this this goes for any draft too. There's all, there are surprises again, it would be there's called surprises for a reason, Danielle. So uh, again, and I think that minus three thirty is the right price on that exact at this rate. And also to add to this, you know, we just talked to Jonathan von Tobel a few minutes ago about the fact that the over unders, which I really do think should be changed to call before and after for the mm-hmm. draft props to make them a little simpler for people. Uh, but with these over unders on draft position you have so much less variance to deal with, right? Like you are dealing with a much more condensed market here when it comes to trying to pick specific positions. I think those are the ones we can spend a little more time talking about and have a little bit better sense of where to give people some information. We get back here on primetime action. We talked about a few of these guys last night in matchups. We're going to look at them individually. Jalen Johnson, Zaire Williams, who uh, seems to be moving up some mock drafts. We're going to look at exact draft placements, the before-afters that Adam Candy was just talking about. We break those down next here on Primetime Action. Material DraftKings VIPs enjoy exclusive benefits, enhanced promotional offers, top tier customer support, access to personalized contests, and more. Visit DraftKings.com/vsin to learn more. Plus, everyone can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, and new customers can get up to one thousand dollars as a sign-up bonus. Sign up using the promo code VSIN, that's V-S-I-N, to claim your exclusive offer. If you or somebody you know has a gambling problem and wants help, please call one eight hundred Gambler or in Indiana one eight hundred nine with it. Must be twenty one or older. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Jeff Parles. Drama in Queens all of a sudden, Adam Candy. Uh, the Braves uh, have runners at second and third and one out. And Jay Reese Familia now in to face Austin Riley, who has uh, done it all for Atlanta the last two days. Uh, he has been hitting the ball a long, long way uh, for the New York Mets and uh, elsewhere. Still a little bit of drama left for the other New York team, uh, Jeff, in Tampa. One all game as we head to the eighth inning with Zach Britton on for the New York Yankees. Uh, Britton so far pretty sharp so far. Uh, Seven pitches, excuse me, six pitches to retire the first two uh, in the eighth inning. Again, the Yankees uh, seem to be close 
to acquiring Joey Gallo and uh, back in the AL wildcard race because the A's lost the series to Seattle Mariners over the weekend. Uh, So we'll keep you updated if anything uh, happens over the next few minutes. But, Danielle, let's uh, dive back into the NBA draft. Yeah, so we can also bet on player draft position, right? Meaning at what point they'll be drafted. So let's take a look here. One of the many Jalen's in the draft here, Jalen Johnson, position number 14 and a half. So the over would be if he goes pick 15 or higher, right? So that'd be minus 150. And then for position 14 and a half under at plus 120, that would be if he went pick 14 or lower, obviously. Uh, So that's where we're sitting with Jalen. Adam, any initial thoughts here? I, boy. I mean, the the number, let's start with Jalen Johnson. Yeah. The number is far too juiced to play. I, I think over is absolutely the right side on Jalen Johnson. Uh, again, we talked about it a little bit yesterday where I think there are going to be the dreaded character questions about a guy who uh, essentially quit on his team midseason when it comes to Jalen Johnson. Uh, athletic Sam Bestney has him ranked as the 25th best prospect uh, overall in this draft. And mm. so, you know, again, just to remind people with these, uh, when you look at the over versus the under, under means that that player is going to go earlier and right. over means that player is going to go later just in general. I wish that juice was a minus 150. Uh, yeah. He's not going in the lottery. Like, he, he, yeah. look, even a minus 150, that's still worth a look, Danielle, just mm-hmm. because, and again, uh, fair or not, the questions will be asked of did he – is the attitude right? Because right. did he quote unquote quit on his team with opting out uh, with a, a during uh, during COVID last year for Duke? So, look, I, I don't I don't think those questions are particularly fair. It was a one in a year, a one in a hundred year pandemic, uh, and, and deciding to step away in a, what was a lost season for Duke. I don't have to prepare for the next step in your career. I had no problem with what he did, but and there will be some team in the NBA that will won't take him because. Of that, Danielle. So I, I, I would only bet the over, but minus 150, we're getting to the point where the juice just is too much. Well, so when you mentioned that, I mean, as we take a look here, I mean, Chris Duarte, the position 15 and a half, juice to the under at minus 135. And then Kai Jones also juiced to the under 15 and a half at minus 145. Garuba also juiced to the over his number 16 and a half at minus 135. But we get a little bit more balanced here when we get down to Zaire Williams from Stanford. Uh, Matt, uh, Adam, I called you Matt. You're in for Matt Brown. Adam, I know that you've talked about Zaire Williams. You're a little bit higher on him than maybe some other people are here. His number is at 18 and a half and it's minus 150 on both sides and you know I think that keep in mind that uh, 18 and a half even on both sides might even though I'm a little bit higher on him I still might lean more toward and over on that just because he does not feel like as I've looked at mock drafts the last couple of days doesn't feel like a stock rising kind of guy at this point mm-hmm. um, you know the most recent from CBS has him going at number 23 so uh, you know another guy where it's Jeff it was a weird year for Zaire Williams didn't spend a lot of time on the court uh, for Stanford and it's not the same situation as Jalen Johnson but the lack of available film on him against real competition is a real thing so there were rumblings earlier today that the Orlando Magic at number eight with their second pick in the top ten could go the route of Williams. I don't know if that's smoke. I don't know if that that is aggressive. Look, 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 <laughs> look, knowing Orlando's track record of picking big lanky guys that are, th- are three four swings that are kind of questionable from what they did in college. Of are we sure this guy translates to the NBA or not? Uh, the, it makes sense why Orlando may like 
uh, Williams. So, uh, look, I would only bet the under here if I were to do this. You also see Williams linked to Golden State. You also, again, the one issue which would be over on the on the overside here is you see him linked to the New York Knicks at number 19. So that's why we're sitting here mm. at 18 and a half. So I would lean to the under, but wouldn't shock me if he goes that ha- goes over by a half and goes to New York at 19. Isaiah Jackson, too, not a ton of juice one way or the other necessarily. Slightly on the over at minus 120, minus 110 on the other side, and the number here, 20 and a half. So Isaiah Jackson, 6'10", 19-year-old from Kentucky. What do we think? I, I, who's taking him in the top 20? I, that That's my big question here. I'm kind of surprised this juice is more on the over, Danielle. Uh, again, another guy we didn't see <laughs> basically at all uh, last year for Kentucky. So I would only play the over here on uh, Jackson, uh, Adam. Uh, the thing that scares me in terms of playing him at all is that he could become a measurables guy really fast. 7-4 wingspan, yeah. the one that they could fall in love with uh, in a spot like that. So... Uh, I'll pass on that one entirely. Um, but Danielle, what, what do you think? Uh, Cam Thomas numbers here. Yeah. I mean, you're getting even money on his over. The number is set at 22 and a half and his under at minus 130. So juice there. So if you think he's going over 22 and a half, a little bit of even money play there. Jeff, I know you're someone who's I, high I, on Cam I, Thomas. Look, look, Cam Thomas is a bucket getter. He's going to be able to score, even though he's a little undersized at the NBA level. This is a stay off for me, though just because he is undersized. And we've seen NBA teams, it's happening less and less now because Steph Curry, Trey Young, they've broken the mold of, oh, that guy's too small to be an elite player in the NBA. And they've just laughed in the the faces of all their critics going into their drafts, uh, uh, basically a decade apart between Curry and Trey Young. But look, Cameron Thomas going 20 wouldn't shock me. Cameron Thomas going 27 wouldn't shock me. Even though if I were making a pick for one of these, again, if I were picking at number 19 with the Knicks, you need, the Knicks need another guy who can just get buckets. And Thomas fits that mold. I think that would be a great fit in New York for, uh, for Cam Thomas and the Knicks, Adam. So I'm curious, uh, Jeff, uh, as we talk about undersized guys, someone that I just love watching play, but I don't know where the NBA is going to value him. And it's not on our graphic, but right below this set of players is Bones Highland. Uh, VCU's Bones Highland, 169 pounds soaking wet. But all the reports we read from the combine said this guy went in there and could score against anyone. The number is 28 and a half on him. (laughs) Look. VCU and the national audience didn't get to see them because they had the COVID outbreak in the NCAA leading into what would have been a seven ten matchup against Oregon in the NCAA tournament. But if you watch the eight ten, and I know uh, I know our guy Greg Peterson is high on uh, on Bones Highland as well. I, again, just when you have a guy that's that small. Or is there going to be an NBA team that's like, all right, we'll use a first-round pick on him? That's what my concern is. Even though, again, Brooklyn is picking early enough, and they need guys off the bench that can score. And Highland would be a very intriguing fit there with the Nets. And they're sitting at 27, Adam. You know where I see him mocked here right uh, in front of me is to the Clippers at 25. And that, to me, is That's another fit that makes, that makes a ton of sense to me with uh, some of the strength the Clippers have that they could throw him out there and not have to worry about him getting pushed around defensively. No, 100% there. Uh, D- Danielle, what, uh, what other ones do we need to be looking at here? I mean, Sharif Cooper's on here from Auburn. He's also at 22 and a half and just a ton of juice, right? Minus 155 on the over here. Uh, 
just doesn't seem bettable, but maybe because do you see him going sooner than 22? So there's two guys on 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 your on the graphic you're seeing at Veasan.com right now, 22 and a half. You have Cooper, like three, yeah, Jane Springer, or the, Cameron Thomas, yeah, the, the, yes, Cameron Thomas as well. Uh, we haven't discussed uh, Springer, who yesterday was in a matchup here on the show. One of those matchups we looked at was Springer versus Thomas. Mm-hmm. I like Thomas to go ahead of Springer. Adam, uh, Springer and even money under 22 and a half is a little bit intriguing. There may be a team that falls in love with Springer, just the raw athleticism. He's extraordinarily young. He's only 19 years old. Uh, he would be a guy that maybe you look at a plus money under. I would love to pick the under on Cooper. Like, I love Sharif Cooper. When he was on the floor for Auburn, they were an NCAA tournament caliber team. When he was off the floor, they were the worst team in the SEC. So... For a guy who's that big of an impact in a Power 5 conference, that should indicate, all right, even though he may be undersized, you take a shot at him in the top 20. He's just in the same the same boat as as, as Bones and, and Cam Thomas. Just will these NBA teams be willing to take a guy who's undersized in the top 20, uh, top 22 for Cooper? Uh, I'm just not so certain, Adam. I'll tell you, Jeff, you just touched on the guy, though, and this might be one of the ones I like the most on this board, is that Jaden Springer number at uh, going under at even money, 22 and a half. Uh, think about what we didn't see with Jaden Springer this year, right? This was a Tennessee team that ultimately just didn't play a style that was going to let this kid go out there and score. Right? They really played a defense heavy style that did not allow Jaden Springer to really show all of the skill set. And I think this is the kind of guy who, at the age that he is, with the skill set that he has, the ability to get to the hole, and he can defend. Uh, I think Jaden Springer is the kind of guy who you might see someone trade up into that low 20s range to try to go get a Jaden Springer. I, look, I wouldn't have a problem with it. I, I, there, That's the one thing with this draft. There aren't a lot of just eye-popping names, but there's a lot of guys who are just going to be good NBA players, even if they're they're bench guys. A lot of these teams picking in the, in the mid to late 20s, the depth is the problem. So I, I wouldn't be shocked if a lot of these players that are in these 20, 20 and a half, 22 and a half go over on the draft slots and end up being good NBA players. That's all the time we have here on primetime action for Ben Wilson, Danielle Alvari, Adam Candy. I'm Jeff Parles. We'll see you tomorrow night. The nightcap is next here on v